and welcome to this special bonus episode of The Dairy Edge. With the current lockdown restrictions in place, Chagas are running a weekly Let's Talk Dairy webinar series, which is also being made available afterwards as a podcast. On this week's webinar, Stuart Childs and Abigail Ryan speak to Alan Dillon and dairy farmer Melvin Mooney about using beef bulls on the dairy herd and Francis Bly on how to stay safe around the stock bull. Okay, welcome along everybody. Um, this morning we're going to have a conversation with uh, Melvin Mooney in Temple Dairy uh, in relation to his uh, breeding season so far and what he's planning to do in relation to switching to beef AI and subsequently beef stock bulls in order to generate some good quality beef cows for uh, people that are buying cows from him. We also have Alan Dillon, beef specialist on the line, who's going to talk to us about how the importance for the beef farmer of getting a quality far- calf, beef calf or beef cross calf from dairy farms. And then finally, we're going to talk about something that we probably don't talk about enough in reality is safety, uh, health and safety in terms of uh, farmers around bulls and so forth. Um, so Francis is the, the uh, farm safety specialist for us working above in County Ross Common and he's going to talk to us about uh, being careful around bulls during the, the breeding season and particularly as the breeding season comes to an end when bulls can potentially start to get aggressive. So we're just going to go across to Abigail now who's going to speak to Melvin um, just briefly just to give us a rundown on how he's getting on with his breeding season so far uh, in 2020. So hi Abigail, how are you? I'm good, thanks George. Uh, I hope I'm facing the, the correct way, am I? <laughs> Yeah, you're perfect. Yeah. So, Stuart, I'm up here in the lovely hills of Temple Derry. And maybe just to give you an oversight, I'm going to flick it around here now. Does that, can you see it? Yeah. Yeah, so we're here in a gorgeous morning. Again, a nice excuse to, to get out on a farm. So, like you said, we're on Melvin Mooney's farm here in Temple Derry, Nina County Tipperary. So, you can just have a, a look around. We're going to have a, a chat with him. And he's farming here with his wife, Jean, and his. Um, daughter Eve, Anna and Luke who are off for the summer and uh, Eve and Anna are, are telling me they're doing a lot of milking on the farm at the moment. They're, they're both in college. Anna has just finished up in egg science in UCD. So maybe we'll just go over to uh, Melbourne for a couple of minutes and uh, talk a bit just maybe quickly about the grass, uh, Melvin, because I suppose at the moment it's really, really topical because I suppose a lot of farmers either have very little grass and maybe a little bit of panic out there because some people are still paying for 2018 that had quite large bills and there's a little bit of worry out there. Um, so maybe just to talk through a few things that might help people. So Melvin, just take us through your cover and we're in a field of grass here at the moment. Just tell us about it. Um, yeah, this this is a, a brine, a monoculture uh, with clover in it. Um, I, this was included in 25 acres I took out in very first days of May uh, for round bales. Uh, the surplus at that stage and it's really um, it's kicking in at the right time now they're going into covers between uh, 1800 and 2000 of uh, after grass of after grass yeah it made basically every second grazed and um, so what's it, your average term cover did uh, you say yesterday it's about 720 um, and her cow is high enough it's 190 I think but you're happy with that uh, yeah I'm very happy now with the um, that the bale ground is coming back in. Okay. Uh, growths are still staying fairly good here. I think it's um, we've used a good bit of sulphur there in the last round or so, and uh, there's great colour on, on the place. What kind but of growth rates did you get? Grow, yeah, I see that growth rates of the high seventies. 
Okay. But uh, you'd be expecting that to drop off now if this prolonged drought lasts. Okay, so ground is very hard, you know, it's uh, hard. Yeah, ground is hard, but I, I, I'm really surprised by the way it's still growing. Okay, good. Um, I see, Melvin, just if you can see Stuart here behind us, there's a, a paddock burnt off for receding in the background. Not sure if you can see it. Just about, yeah. Yeah, Melvin. Yeah, I, I, I was, uh, traditionally I was just taking out uh, 10% or less every year, but I made a massive effort last year and I'm going to um, increase the acres again this year that I'm taking out. Uh, Brian took that as well. Okay, so you're happy with Brian, Melvin? Uh, well, I'm just doing all this section, this paddocks yeah. with Brian. Uh, I have a lot of Aber gain and Aber plentiful in as well, and I have Aston Energy. Okay, and, so yeah. you, look, uh, Melvin is part of that monoculture uh, trial with Michael Donovan in Moore Park, one of the farms in that. Sorry. So, you know, people might have questions on the grass. I know you're probably saying time is maybe going to go against us, and you, you really want to focus maybe a bit on the breeding season and what type of bulls that Melvin is using. So, um, we'll give you a, a synopsis of you know what has been happening here. So, Melvin, just on cows, when you start to breed and maiden start date, how many weeks of AI? And how it's going? Yeah, well, I suppose I started with the heifers. Um, we had 95 heifers, so to make the job easy this year, we went on fixed time AI. And um, for, I presume most people know the program, but um, uh, we put in a cedar and, um, and a receptor day zero, day five, uh, PG, day six, PG, left them alone day seven, and a fixed time AI on day eight and Receptal again. And uh, two AI technicians I had were very happy with the, uh, with the, with the heifers handled. Uh, time will only tell how well we've gone on. Uh, the cows then, uh, that was on the 23rd, I think. Uh, the cows then, we started AIing on the 24th of April. Of April. We had no, we, we did no pre-recording uh, of heats. And uh, we AI'd for two weeks. And then we, hand, we, we, we handled the cows that hadn't come, the vet handled um, found, them. Uh, we found a big percentage that weren't, they weren't cycling. So we um, cedared and PG those. And so most of the 80, we had 80% submission rate then in the first three weeks. So, um, so just on the breeding levels, you're going to go how many weeks dairy and you're going to switch uh, to beef then? Yeah, we, we, we're almost out of, uh, of Frisian replacement straws now. That's five to six weeks. So then we're switching over to Hereford. Uh, Hereford easy calving, uh, short gestation, uh, AI straws. And we'll do that then for about two weeks. And then we'll bring back the heifers from the bulls. Where I, I, I bought four. Hereford bulls this year. Stock bulls? Stock bulls. So then after we let off the bulls then, uh, maybe two two every second day. And as the cows come in, the bulls be drafted and the two fresh bulls will go out again. Um, okay, so Abigail, would, would, would um, just from the point of view of what Francis will be talking about in a minute, would Melvin explain how he drafts out the two bulls when, when he's swapping them? Uh, yeah, from a safety point of view, Stuart, I guess. Yeah, or just to, just to describe how he does it, maybe so that somebody can learn from from what, how he does it. Maybe if they're wondering how to go about it. Yeah, uh, well, my collecting yard is a combination of um, it's the wintering uh, facilities really. So they come in onto slats, and there's options of gates to let them go. 
usually the bulls will hang, either hang around at the back with, with cows that are active or something. And so we draft, we draft the two when, uh, as safely as we can. And then we just release the other two as the cows go out. Does okay. that answer? Yes, yeah, very good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Francis might come in on if, if that can be improved or, you know, if it's if, if it's adequate. I suppose the big thing is safety, yes. But of course we are aware that you can't trust any bull, and especially with the three children helping me now. And, and, and I have a full-time man. And of course myself, I can't be. One man has to be for Work, correct, good. So I suppose Melvin, just on to the next part then, you're using a lot of Hereford and it seems to be the case for the last few years. Um, and, you know, the challenge in the industry is selling bull calves. I have two discussion groups and it's always comes up about, you know, selling the, the male calves, just maybe in the springtime, how that works and kind of what age they're sold at, what type of bulls are they going to the mart or, you know, are people coming in buying them and your opinions on that? Yeah, well, I have tried a few breeds, but... What I found about the Hereford is uh, you can sell them at home. Uh, people, you know, your regular customers will come back. And, um, you know, if you're selling them at home, you, 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 um, they'll take them young enough. And uh, I, I'm happy enough with Hereford anyway. Uh, and the, the people that are buying them, are you, calf to beef, is it? Or? A mixture. Um, the man do my replacement heifers. Uh, the Frisians is buying my whites as well. And he said he has them for sale the March or the April after. He keeps them a year. And he just has them for sale when the grassmen are out. So he's happy too. So. Yeah, yeah, good. So Stuart, I suppose, uh, you know, is there anything else maybe that Francis or Alan or anyone else wants to ask on that? Well, just, uh, I suppose, the um, criteria is actually Sean Cummins is just after coming in, the guy that's uh, doing the, the calf to beef program for us. That, uh, what criteria do you use for picking the bulls? Um, is it purely down to easy calving and short gestation, uh, Melvin, or do you actually look to try to add a bit of carcass quality for the guys that are buying them? Uh, well, I have to admit, uh, the priority would be definitely uh, would definitely be gestation and um, easy calving, uh, as long as they throw uh, a, a respectable calf as well, of course. But I wouldn't. I would not go for. Uh, just, why is that? Because you're it's too, too hard on the cow, and like, yeah, uh, these cows they calve will have most will calve unassisted, so that's all I want. But uh, I mean, the customers wouldn't would not stake me back if the calves if the calves uh, didn't perform after. Like some of the calves might look might might look uh, it might seem not to be massive when they're born, but they grow into fine animals after. You know. Yep. Good. Um, I, I suppose Abigail then as well just how important is it to Melvin that he has those repeat customers and that he more or less has a guaranteed market for those calves yeah, I suppose maybe I come in on that just to let Melvin just think about that for a minute um, yeah it is good I guess but like it's like every year there's, there's kind of a bit of the unknown uh, so it's just obviously the same customers come back but some, you know, it could be a challenge so maybe Melvin you'd come in on that well, like um, the beef man has to live as well. So the way I look at it is, he orders his calves, he takes them, and sometimes the price is negotiated after. You know, I want I want the calves gone, and I I don't want um, I don't want to be uh, wheeling and dealing over them, and I don't want someone coming in for one calf and wasting half your day. So all those things are very important. 
was running smoothly, calves removed, and uh, you know, Christ is only second. Stuart, are we still there? Yeah, you are. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Fine. So, so, so just to, just to pick up on one final point there in relation to just what Melvin is after saying there, he more or less has those calves. Uh, uh, he he knows there's a certain number of those calves are booked by those people that he's selling to on an ongoing basis, and he knows that he has those orders in place uh, for um, for we'll say March, April calves every year yes. before he even starts calving really. Yeah, and I suppose, like Melvin said, this is, you know, I suppose a dairy farm. And he had mentioned as well to me earlier that he doesn't want any heifer calves born after uh, late February, early March. So, therefore, you know, the beef calves start coming on stream at that stage. Okay, very good. Yeah. Okay, um, so um, I, I, we don't have any other questions coming in there, I suppose. Uh, has um, I, I throw another one to you, Melvin, in relation to your thoughts on the dairy beef index? Maybe have you used that in any way in the last two years since you came out to, to pick some of the AI bulls that you might be using for the beef side of things? Uh, still probably mostly on calving ease, I'd say. Um, Cavies and, and um, the, say, the supplier of the straw, I, I, you know, we discussed that. Um, and, um, yeah. No, you know, the main thing I have to admit is, is ease of calving and, uh, and gestation. And the gestation as well, yeah. yeah. Okay. But so I customer, think, yeah, yeah, sorry. I'm saying the customer is the final... He he makes the final call because he won't he won't come back if he's not happy. He, he's the final adjudicator. <laughs> okay, sure. So I suppose time is probably ticking on, and maybe to to summarise it, um, here in Templeterre, we've just spoken a bit about the the grass situation on this farm. There seems to be you know enough grass at the moment. Melvin had put measures in place earlier, and it has worked out from that silage had been taken early. He reckons sulphur has played a major role in keeping the grass very lush looking, as you can see moment um, cows on target for uh, submission rate and he spoke a bit about his choice of beef straws from maybe next week onwards so Stuart uh, from just all of it sorry yeah that's, sorry yeah, one other thing just remind me just on the grass there uh, we're doing a good bit around baling of paddocks and that and I think the most important thing of all when you take bales is to replace the P and the K so we go at Walsh Curry and um, you know I And you get a decent, you get a decent cover of grass. It's not, it's not this light after grass. Okay, so that the offtake of nutrients is high. For yes, correct. Very good. good. Okay, so Stuart, from all the experience, have a very good with us. Thanks, Abigail. Thanks, Melvin. Okay, so um, we'll move over to Alan to have a conversation in relation to uh, some of the things that Melvin has maybe mentioned there in terms of bull selection and so forth and how. His customers are coming back to him all the time, Alan. Um, so he's yeah. obviously doing something right. Uh, so I suppose the question I'll put to you is, as the beef one of the beef specialists working for us, um, how important is the calf quality to the profitability of the dairy calf to beef systems? Um, yeah, can you hear me there okay, Stuart? I can, Alan, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I suppose, extremely, it, it, it's having extreme importance in terms, of, uh, in, in terms of making a profit from this game. I suppose, look, beef margins are tight at the minute and they have been for probably the last 18 months. And that's due to, um, look, beef prices has been very, very low, a lot lower than we've experienced in the last four to five years. Um, so I suppose in terms of right getting this calf in, look, you're looking for two things in quality. 
you're looking for something with a bit of, with a bit of I suppose carcass carcass traits. I suppose you're looking for positive carcass traits, and you're also looking for um, something you're, you're not you're not too worried. I suppose about carcass conformation. Um, really, the dairy cow that that's go, that cat is going to come from is going to deliver a lot of that as well. Um, you're really trying to all all you're trying to do when you buy a calf on the dairy farm is just try to counteract the the effect of having a P grade. Really, you're not expecting R grades and U grades across the board with any dairy calf you might buy. Really, you're just trying to avoid those P's. And the other thing, I suppose, in terms of calf quality, right, is it's it's outside of the breeding factor. It's really the health status of the calf is the other important factor that delivers for profit. Okay, so when it comes to getting quality calves, there are like as I said, like Melvin has said, he has those repeat customers. So obviously, he's doing something right in terms of the calves that he's delivering, uh, be it through the AI bulls that he's choosing or the stock bulls that he's buying. Um, but is it difficult to source quality calves for the dairy calf to beef systems from the the herds that you're dealing with in the Green Acres program and and the farmers that you're dealing with in general? Um, yeah, we, there's a bit of trouble there now, and it's it's. It's probably localized, I would say, in terms of, right, if you're dealing with more extreme dairy genetics, where dairy genetics have been pushed, and it happens more in pockets of the country where maybe you have larger herds or, or more intensive dairy areas. Look, if you're dealing with Jersey crossing, okay, obviously that's a big detriment to calf quality. And also probably if you're pushing extreme into the Holstein Frisian, you're talking, you know, a, a detriment to quality there as well. Um, so it's, it's, it's the typical cow that we would have been used to seeing around the country for the last number of years, the, you know, the Holstein British cross, if you can get a, a calf out of that type of cow, you're probably dealing with a reasonable quality calf, but it's getting harder and harder we're finding, okay, um, to try and source these calves. And as well as that, it's down to the, the, the quality of the bull that's been used. Uh, let's say if we look at the Green Acres program, we would have analysed the sires being used across all um, calves been bought in. We have probably 12, 1,300 calves brought in across the program. Um, the amount of calves that are coming in with no sire registered, we know the breed, they're Hereford or Angus, whatever they are, they don't have a sire. If it's a beef breed, we have a sire. If, if, it's, a, if it's a dairy breed, all right, uh, most of the time. Uh, but they either don't have a sire or a lot of the times they're coming in with a, from a bull that has a negative carcass value. So they're actually a minus figure for carcass rather than a positive figure. Um, and if you're dealing with, a, let's say, a Hereford or Angus or whatever you're going to get, uh, or any breed that you're going to get with a negative carcass value, look, really and truly, we're finding is the actual Frisian bull calf is probably better value for money, and that's where the profit is being left because we're getting poor quality beef bulls being used on a lot of these cows. So there's, we really have to emphasise the importance of picking quality beef yeah. AI straws, so, and in particular, even just buying the, the any kind of a bull at all to tidy up is a... It's a bit unfair of the dairy farmer and, and should should they they shouldn't be really expecting that they're going to offload those calves too easily, really, should they? Not really. And and I'd say as time goes by, as years progress, beef farmers will become more aware of sourcing calves based on genetics. Um it's hard to tell looking at a calf at two weeks old what they're going to turn into. Um, you know, it's 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 gonna take six to twelve months before you get a fair idea of what your animal is going to turn out like. So your knowledge of the genetics, the genetic background of that calf is going to be paramount in the future. So I suppose the, the next uh, two questions that I'd have here would be um, in terms of when it comes to sourcing and purchasing a calves, what are you recommending to the guys in the program? And have you found that many of the farms that you have been dealing with, which you have now with maybe two, uh, up to nearly two years now at this stage, I suppose, mm. um, have they a regular supply? We'll say, is it from the same herds that they're buying all the time or what's the situation? 
Yeah, in, ter- in terms of what we're dealing with, right, when we send, tell, uh, uh, you know, when these farmers go to buy calves, we say, the first thing, look at, look at cow type, okay? Are you dealing with a cow with a bit of size, right? A cow that's maybe, you know, you know, 600 to 700 kilos, that's where you want to be. You don't want to be any lower than that. Generally, that's a neg- if you go lower than that, you're dealing with a, a more negative trace in terms of carcass, confirm- carcass weight potential. Um, you're trying to get, you know, this Holstein British Friesian cross if you can. British, everyone says they're British Friesian when they're selling calves, but in reality, we've gone down through <clears throat> every single calf purchased on the Green Acres program. We have got one farm uh, that come, that's buying calves from a regular supplier who was a high proportion of British Friesian in the, diet, in, in the breed makeup. And that British Friesian content is about 44%. The vast majority are coming in 90 to 97% um, Holstein Friesian. That's what you're dealing with, okay? Um, in, in terms of right sources, right, we're trying to get to buy from farms, direct from farm, and the less sources, the better. That's what we're trying to deal with, okay? We're trying to move farmers away from buying from marks or buying through dealers, really. And the reason for that is, you know, you're dealing with an animal at two weeks of age, very low immunity, standing in that mart all day, or going around in a truck, getting wet, etc. You're bringing in health problems, you're mixing, you're bringing in disease. So we're trying to get to build a relationship with a farmer, buy him straight in and drop him in the yard. Um, we also look at, ask, him, ask every farmer, look at the environment your calves have been reared in. So is the dairy farmer putting these calves in a nice straw bed of shed with good ventilation? Look for, look for um, the health status, look at the disease levels. Is there any evidence of scour pneumonia? Ask about the vaccination program. You know, is the dairy farmer vaccinated for IBR? Is he giving them, a, you know, some kind of a, an intranasal pneumonia vaccine into the calves? And um, also then look at the sire used, okay? Try and get the tag number of the bull, put it into ICBF, see what his, what his uh, beef carcass traits are, or else get the AI sires used if there's AI being used and see what um, in, terms of, um, in terms of the carcass traits of that AI bull. In terms of right, the other question is, um, have we got guys that are going back to regular sources every year? We do, yeah. Um, we have a couple of farmers that have built good, very good relationships and are buying all their calves from one source. So the dairy farmer may be supplying them with you know, 50, 60, 70 Frisians or Herefords, whatever he has, and, and they have a relationship that the farmer, that beef farmers coming back every year. They have an agreed time that, let's say, he'll come back every two weeks and pick up a load and take them away. And, and it works extremely well, you know, because both farmers know when the calves are coming, there's going to be no issue with supply. There's not, they don't really worry too much about the money side of things. They say, right, look, they bring it back a bit or up a bit, depending on what the beef price is. Uh, and and it's, it's known that health status and, and the genetic makeup is really what's where the value is um, across the board. So you're, um, that's basically influencing the level of performance then as well. So you've, I think in conversations I've had with you in the past, you've said that where the, there's less sources of calves obviously coming into those farms, the mm. performance on the herds is much better. So I suppose yeah. you said there about the, the the emphasis on the bull. Look, we'll say more and more people are going to have the option of checking out the bull that has been used on the farm yeah. and so forth. But are there many dairy farmers in your experience? I know we know of one that we've discussed already where there is um, a bit of discussion between the beef farmer and the dairy farmers in relation to selecting the bulls for to use for the, the beef farmer. But is that would there be much of that happening not yet, no. And look, it's a two-way street. I mean, it's not that the dairy farmers are entirely to blame for not doing going down this route. The beef farmers are probably not approaching them as much either to 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 look at at this option. Um, we have the the Long Brothers in the program, all right, who are who have their own relationship built up that they 
that all the beef bulls are picked by the, the, the beef farmer uh, at, at the start of the breeding season and um, discussed with the, with the AI technician and all the calves are then sent to, the, to, the, to the, the beef farmer's farm at a couple of weeks old and reared from there and that's a great relationship. Uh, it's kind of a flat pricing setup that, you know, he knows every calf coming in is going to be of quality. There's no duds in the system in terms of the breed makeup anyway. Um, but it's, it's very, there's not much of it happening, very little and it's something that really both parties need to look down. I mean, if, if a dairy farmer is willing to put a better quality bull on, a, on, on, a, on his dairy herd, um, he'll probably have a lot more beef farmers interested in coming back to him and taking the calves straight from his farm at a couple of weeks old. So it's a win-win, really? Yeah. I mean, look, the straws are no dear. In general, the calving difficulty, if you, can, you can select some excellent quality bulls with very, very easy calving. Some of the best quality bulls are probably easier calved than some of the poor quality bulls. Uh, and that's a big myth, I think, with, with dairy farmers, that these, some of these beef bulls, I'm going for short gestation and easy calving. You know, generally it brings bad quality in general. Most of these, most of these ones that are really short gestation, easy calving. But within that, within a, within a cohort, you can pick a certain number of bulls that bring, you know, relatively short gestation, extremely easy calving, and bring very good carcass traits. I just looked at the dairy, the dairy beef index there this morning, and the number one bull is an Aubrac, uh, AU4460. I just see him on the list there. Dauphin is called. I mean, he's, he's only just over 2% for cow calving difficulty. And he's just over five for heifers, and his carcass is 16, 16 kilos. There's another uh, not town Randy. He's not quite available yet. He's a sailor bull, but he's got twenty kilos for carcass. He's less than two percent for cows and around four percent for heifers. Uh, and you know th- those type of bulls are, are going to be more readily available. And dairy farmers should have no no issue at all in using them. And just out of interest then, Alan, I suppose you're kind of after answering the, the final question that I had for you in relation to the, is it, is it feasible for dairy farmers to get, deliver the type of calf that you require for your program without having losses in relation to monster calves, difficult calvings and losing cows and so forth? But um, in terms of, can you see the difference between the stock bull calf and the good AI calf when you're on the, gr- on the ground even even yes. though you said it there earlier now, it's hard to really see what they're going to materialise into until maybe six months. But are, are there kind of obvious traits that guys will see straight away when the calf hits the ground that they'll nearly know it's an AI bred calf versus a stock bull, kind of your moderate stock bull, kind of? Unless it, you get it, it is hard to tell, though. It's, it's, you, you'll, I suppose, look, there will be some fairly obvious traits in terms of confirmation and the makeup of the calf when they hit the ground that, you know, they'll be... You know there'll be a relatively square back in them if they if they if they if they're going to have a, a decent type of confirmation and, and carcass weight in years to come. Um, but it, it really, look, you're going. Beef farmers are going to be relying, I think, a bit more on the genetics in years to come. It's something they're going to educate themselves about, and the dairy farmers educate themselves about it too. But I suppose it's just we want to dispel this myth that you know every continental bull or every Charlie or every Aubrey or whatever they use is going to bring a hard calf. There's a huge variation within every breed. You could have Anguses that could be extremely hard calved. You could have Herefords that are very hard calved as well or whatever. It's, it's, it's just about we need to educate ourselves and educate the farm population about what bulls are picking. Look into the, the traits. The figures do work. They do leave. Yeah, there, is, there is reliability behind them and we can trust them. So it's just about having confidence in them, using the correct ones. Avoid these bad bulls like the plague. They should be just. They should be killed straight away. I mean, using these bulls with negative carcass traits, with poor carcass confirmation, 
you know, just because they might bring somebody to BG calving, it, it, it's a slippery slope you're going down. And look, we thought there was going to be a problem selling calves this year. It was widely said there wasn't really overall. It was, it was a relatively okay year, despite beef price being bad. But some year it could happen that beef farmers realise, look, geez, we're not making money out of this and we're not going to buy these calves anymore because it's, 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 a, it's, it's a non-runner. And that's when the guys that are using the quality and have, the, have put emphasis on having a reasonably good quality calf at a reasonable price will, will win. They'll always move off the farm. Okay, that's great, Alan. Thanks a million for that. So um, we'll just switch over to Francis now. So uh, Francis, um, you're going to give us a, a short presentation in relation to bull safety. And uh, Alan, I'll leave you um, off of me or unmuted there. So if you want to come in at any point in time, Francis is happy for for you to come in to make any points you want to make or anything as we go along. So uh, I'll let you share your screen there. So Francis, so as I said, Francis is the health and safety specialist based in, in County Roscommon, uh, working across the country along with John McNamara. And today he's going to talk about bull safety. And I suppose just while, we're, while you're loading up the presentation there fully, Francis, uh, the importance that we, we can't overemphasize the importance of health and safety for everybody, especially at this time of year. Uh, a lot of silage done already in the last couple of weeks. Um, lots going on this week still as well. Um, probably a lot of it will be wrapped up by the end of next week. But just people need to be aware. I suppose the biggest problem I see, Francis, is that familiarity breeds contempt potentially. So we're very used to our own surroundings. We don't see the problems and that's when we get cut out. So just in relation to the bull safety saw, I'll let you go through your presentation. And just to remind people that we can take questions and answers here on the Q&A uh, all the way through. So thanks, Francis. Um, thanks very much, Stuart. You can hear me okay? Yeah, perfect. Yeah, brilliant. That's great. Um, yes, definitely echo those those opinions. You know, um, familiarity does breed contempt. And, and, and it is it is kind of one of those things that we need to, to think about very, very in depth, I suppose, to make sure that we're doing our best to, to manage safety on the farm. So I suppose the HSA is telling us that about 18% of livestock-related deaths on farms uh, between 2010 and 2019 had a bull involved. Um, so we need to try and treat these bulls with caution and respect. And, uh, you know, it was great to see how, how Melvin manages the, the bulls on his farm. He has, he's, he's, you can hear in his voice that he has a lot of respect for, for, those, for those animals. Um, the three main elements really are the farmer themselves, the animal and the facilities, how all those interact and how all those things are managed. So the farmer, you know, uh, really what we're thinking about here is we need to see this as a responsibility that we have for ourselves. You know, we need to make sure that we're managing our, our farms in a safe way. We must create a safe and well-planned environment for the animals that are on the farm and for any staff that's on the farm or anyone else that's working on the farm. We must make sure that we're, we're identifying the risks uh, and we're putting together plans and procedures for the jobs that we're trying to do. So as Melvin said earlier, you know, he has a, a managed system for getting those bulls in, um, segregating them and getting the new bulls out. Is that on every farm? Is everybody that's working on the farm uh, aware of it? And are the right people doing those jobs? Are, are they competent for, for, for those tasks? You know, are we having children involved that sometimes that, um, may not be competent to do those, those, those tasks? So if at all possible, or at all times, make sure children are not involved where, where bulls are present. Um, we, know, we must manage these things in a, in a safe manner. I suppose the main message here is, from a bull management perspective, the artificial insemination option to try and use that to maximum effect, to reduce the number of bulls that we need. Um, and obviously, the better the conception rates, the lower the need for the bulls. So uh, the number of bulls that are on the farm, you know, how many weeks uh, of AI we're going to have, 
are we pushing towards more? How many times are we rotating these bulls if they're on the, on the farm? For the larger herds, you know, what number of bulls are in each group and how are we managing that? Have we facilities in place to get them in and out? Is it done in a safe manner? You know, we're, we're, we're watching these bulls, um, monitoring them carefully for signs of body condition loss, lameness, you know, lethargy, serving, that they're, they're working correctly. But are we watching them from a distillity point of view as well? And what are we doing if they're, not, if, if they're showing signs of aggression? You know, when they show signs of aggression, the only option is to call them. If they weren't working, if they weren't serving, what would we do? We'd, we'd call them. So the same, same set of criteria needs to be there for these bulls that start so, showing signs of aggression. You know, it's a very, is it an easy decision, I suppose, is, is the question. And it's not. You know, if you're getting close to the end of the breeding season and a bull starts to show aggression and you, you think you might need them, are you making that kind of responsible decision to, to do something about it? Is the responsibility there? Have you, have you the co- conviction to do it? You know, making sure you have the facilities in place. The department have, have specifications for bull housing. There's a lot of different specifications for drafting facilities. As Melvin said, you know, he has the facilities there that when the bulls come in at the end, he has the gate set up that they don't need to go through the parlor and that they're drafting out and the new bulls, bulls go back out. Have we, have we all one of those type of situations or facilities in place to make sure that happens? So the ring in the chain issue. So all bulls at 10 months must have, have, have a ring in place and it's recommended to have a chain. Uh, so, so that's the recommended device. When we're going out in the field with animals, they're supposed to have the ring and chain, but you also need to be careful about how you're managing these animals. If there's a bull or, or a group of bulls with those cows, you know, are we walking out there? Are we going out in a quad? Have we, um, a, 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 I suppose, an awareness that these bulls are present? Has everybody that's going out to bring in those cows an awareness? Is there, is there a standard practice? Uh, are we keeping our distance or are we, are we bringing some place that we can stay away from these animals? And it's, it's the same concept is there when we're working with these, these animals in buildings. You know, have we that barrier between us and the bull? Have we a refuge if things start to go wrong? Are we identifying these signs before, before, before issues start to arise? We need to make sure that we have signage there in place that if bulls are present, especially along roads, roadsides, um, that we have the beware of bull sign up, that we have appropriate fencing and the gates are secure and locked that no one can get access. And, in, and sometimes it, it goes as far as you have to talk to neighbours to make sure that children are aware that they don't go near those fields or uh, if sometimes with pets getting into fields, they can have, have issues as well. So, you know, making sure we're planned, keeping fully charged mobile phone when we're going out or the person that's going out so we can report if the issues start to happen. Have emergency numbers present. If things go wrong, Sometimes it, it may take time before we can get the emergency numbers that we need. Think about what you'll do if you're going to be attacked. You know, they, most people don't think about these things until it's starting to happen. What do you do? Um, think about what you will do. Um, if you're attacked, you, need, you know, what, what the advice would be to try and move yourself away slowly, um, uh, not to turn your back on the animals. Um, and that, that's the, the main procedure, you know, make yourself as wide as possible. Risk assess your procedures, all your procedures in the farm. Make sure someone else knows where you're going. Keep a first aid kit in place and always ensure you have public liability insurance in, in, in place. So, Stuart, that's kind of the, the, the presentation. I know you said to keep it short. So just as presentation, um, if there's any questions. Okay, thanks. Uh, and uh, Alan, you can come in there maybe as well if you have any points to make. But I suppose it's just to 
to be aware, I suppose, all the time. Um, I, I've ha- I had a neighbour who was attacked by a bull not so long ago and only for the quick thinking of his son saved his life. Um, Michael Carroll, who was on with us in relation to grass management only two weeks ago, rang, rang me last week to tell me a story that he had about a young bull where he was... Um, got it quite aggressive over the course of the winter and uh, uh, Michael actually said he didn't learn the lesson when the bull actually nearly knocked the gate one day, or actually did knock the gate trying to get into cows that were actually bulling. Um, he still held on to him and when he put him out the field, he showed very aggressive tendencies. Now, like you said, Francis, he'd actually picked him up at a reasonable kind of price so he was very willing to get rid of him when he saw at that, the second time round the aggression that was associated with him. But I suppose the tendency is for people, a lot of the bull sales are going to be generating um, revenues of maybe two and a half thousand, three thousand for some of these bulls, and people are going to be slow to get rid of them. So, um, have you any tip in terms of is it uh, w- would it be wiser to have less and less bulls on the farm, or should people just have a team of them and be inclined to get rid of them at the end of the season, or what? Any ideas in that regard? Yeah, well, well, my my personal view and what I've seen out on farms is that if it's possible to try and use the the AI to maximum effect, um, uh, and then move towards lesser bulls, and obviously to have enough that if a bull starts to show tendency for aggression, that you move them out as we go, you know, closer to the end of the season. Now we might need as many, uh, and obviously the ones that are showing that aggression need to be the ones first to go uh, and to have the conviction to make that decision. Because uh, as I said, if, if something starts to show in relation to the bull isn't working, you know, if he's, not, if he's not breeding, it's very easy to make that decision. But it's harder if it's just from a personal perspective that you feel they're aggressive, you know. Um, but you have to keep in your mind yourself and other people that are working on your farm. And these bulls have caused problems. We know that 18% are of deaths on, uh, associated with livestock are, are from bulls. So that's that's a big number, and it's a, it's a matter of, of making sure that we do our best. Just to come in there, Stuart, as well, I suppose we just, if uh, we had a case there, and Francis probably knows about this, um, the Better Farm program there, which finished up there this year, we had one farmer, Sean Hayes, he was on ear to the ground there last year, um, a very lucky escape with a teaser bull. Um, and it's probably something people forget, you know, they're, they're generally Frisian or, Jersey Cross or something cheap, which are very aggressive breed to be using, you know. Uh, he had a very lucky escape hunting teaser bull in where he just was walking him into the yard, I think, and he just turned on him all of a shot, no warning whatsoever. And, you know, another minute or two and probably Sean was probably gone, you know. Uh, he said he was, he was very lucky. He ended up with a few broken ribs and whatever, I think, when collarbone maybe or something. But, you know, he was, he said it was out of the blue. What I saw, what he said in telly, just, no warning, a turn, turned like that, and he was pinned against the wall or something. You know, it was, it was, it's just to have always had that in the back of your head that you know these animals aren't, uh, they're not your friends, they're not your pets. You know. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we just have a question in there. Um, are there farmers using a hundred percent with no stock bulls, basically? Um, Alan, uh, we'll say on the beef side of things, you have some guys that are using 100% AI on beef, and we definitely have yeah. guys that are 100% AI in dairy anyway. Yeah, I, I suppose uh, on, on the beef side, I suppose, and, and look, you can comment on the dairy short, but yeah, I mean, there are guys using 100%. Generally, there's a teaser bull or something involved along the way for, as a heat detection. Um, some guys are gone to the using these heat collars as well. Uh, they're proven very useful. Um, great yeah. in terms of... of cutting the amount of time to spend observing cows, etc. 
Um, just getting the text to the phone during the night and you wake up in the morning, you have a few there to AI, it's, it's, a, it's a great tool. Okay. Uh, Francis, have you any comment? We'll say, have you seen, we'll say maybe you've dealt with some people maybe that have been attacked by bulls in the past. Uh, what have, have they changed in that sense? Yeah, definitely, um, definitely, Stuart. Like you know, once once you go through that um, and you have the the issues to deal with, if you're lucky enough to survive, um, if you have to go through hospital, um, if you have to get re- rehabilitated, your whole system changes, um, and and a very large number of those people have become champions for change in relation to you know taking the making the decisions to to change your facilities, and making the decisions to to call those aggressive bulls. Um, you know, there's lots of different videos on the HSA website of various people that have had issues with with um, with bulls, and I'd, I'd I'd encourage everybody to go on there and 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 see those, and they're also on the Chagas website. Um, you know, view those and have people on your farm view them and have children view them to see what can happen. Yeah, very good. Um, like I suppose from just to summarise the the content of the session today. So like we had Abigail on farm with Melvin Mooney and Templeterry and Nina um, explaining how he's gotten on with his breeding season so far and how he's switching to Hereford AI and then subsequently Hereford stock pools to supply uh, to have a supply of calves for his regular buyers basically. So good good quality stock that are has has people coming back on an ongoing basis uh, and also a surety then for Melvin as well that he's able to get these calves off the farm there in the month of March when he's going to be busy uh, still calving the herd uh, and trying to get all the other jobs done and then Alan has emphasized the importance of a quality calf to the farmers that he's dealing with in the calf to beef systems uh, and and look it should be borne in mind as well that there's plenty of dairy farmers out there are rearing um beef cattle themselves as well i think there's a figure or something like 50 percent of farmers still have um a beef enterprise run dairy farmers still have a beef enterprise running as well so the quality of the the bull that's used in terms of um trying to, to generate a, a quality animal for the beef enterprise is very important and there's no doubt about it that while the dairy beef index is in its infancy and some will argue that it has some flaws and so forth, it's still a great step in the right direction in terms of giving people options to select bulls. In the past, we were a bit limited in terms of the information that we had maybe in trying to select the bulls for the dairy herd. Um, but to be fair to the AI companies, they, they, they don't ever want to give out a, a bull that's going to cause a calving difficulty. But if, the, if, that, if as Alan said, the calving difficulty is coming at a compromise of of uh, carcass traits then it's not a win-win situation whereas with the dairy beef index now we do have the option of picking these short gestation easy calving bulls that have the potential to generate reasonable carcass traits and leave a margin for yourself if you're continuing to have a beef enterprise in your on your farm uh, or for the person buying calves from you in the spring and can kind of guarantee that you're going to have that repeat uh, customer every year which is a good thing and then finally Francis spoke in relation to the health and safety aspect of, of handling bulls and we really should be looking at the, the facility of AI yes it's a it's a challenge to keep motivated and some of you there's people down the south will be familiar with Doreen Carden maybe people up the north maybe not so familiar but Doreen put out a video recently she works with Monster Bovine uh, just emphasizing that we're only, in reality, now Melvin has a couple of weeks more done in terms of his AI having started on the 24th. But we're really only at half time in terms of the breeding season and that people need to keep up the focus. And if we think that we're going to be able to turn out a bull and let him 
do his job for the rest of the year and, and have a compact calving season next year, then we're cutting ourselves. We really, really have to emphasize that we can't uh, do enough AI. Uh, and that just means that we can switch to beef AI. And as Alan said, there's no real huge difference in the price of the straw in, between a good bull and a bad bull in a lot of cases. So we should be trying to pick good quality beef bulls uh, that will give us an increased chance of selling the calf if you're going through the mart potentially going to get more or if you're dealing with someone on an ongoing basis at least you know you're going to have that relationship building up year on year and maybe there's scope for to let that person that you're dealing with have some influence over the genetics that you're choosing maybe they can tell you that the bull that i was getting those that from you last year the calves that, that i got from you last year weren't as good as the previous year that kind of information let it be a two-way street it's a win-win situation so i suppose just again to emphasize just given the time of year, busy time of year on farm, health and safety is critically important. And as I said, familiarity breeds contempt and we need to be careful and aware of our surroundings and try to assess the situation because it's, it's very regularly the case that we just get used to what's happening around us. We don't see the danger and it's only when somebody else comes in that they don't know the routine that we use and animals can be very used to routines as well. And if we don't follow the routine that they're used to, they can get aggressive and somebody can get hurt. So I think we'll leave it at that for today. Uh, I'd like to thank um, Melvin and his family and Abigail up in Temple Derry, Alan for uh, joining us and for Francis as well for joining us. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Okay? Uh, just to remind you that the Dairy, uh, the Dairy Age podcast is available um, for this week with Emma Louise and this week we will have the webinar available. We had technical difficulties with the last two weeks. So the webinar will be available on both video recording on the website uh, tomorrow probably. And it will be available as a podcast for people who want to listen back to it um, next week. So I uh, look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks very much, guys. And thanks to everyone for tuning in. Take care. That's all for this week's Let's Talk Dairy webinar series. And don't forget to look out for more bonus episodes each week. I'll be back with our usual Dairy Edge interviews on Monday, so do listen in then. I'm Emma-Louise Coffey, and thanks for listening.